Welcome to Balancing Chaos with Kelly and Gretchen. And today we have our special guest, Sarah Smiley. And we had Sarah on um, a while ago now. And I think she was, was she our first guest? I think she was our first guest. Or maybe not. No, we had Leah as our first guest. She was like our third guest. But Kelly couldn't make it to that one because of something came up. And so at the last minute, she couldn't be here. So I got to interview Sarah, just me. So now Kelly has her list of questions in her head that she has for Sarah. So, um, Sarah, do you want to go ahead and reintroduce yourself and tell us about, remind us who you are? I, uh, first, I'm a mom of three boys, and I have kind of made my career out of writing about my three boys and my husband. Beginning 17 years ago, I started writing columns for newspapers, beginning in Florida. Um, The column goes all around the country. And then it just so happened that 10 years ago, I moved to Bangor, Maine and fell in love with it. And so now I've switched gears from writing so much about being a military wife um, and writing about my kids and kind of added into that writing about living in Maine as well. One perspective I think I love, too, is that you write about living in Maine mm-hmm. coming from not right. living in Maine. Mm-hmm. So there was I had texted her. There was um, someone in our, in our Facebook group who was a new Mainer this winter posted and said when will the city come and remove the snow from the from the sidewalk or not the sidewalks but the snow banks from the side of the road because I don't have any place to put my snow and I just texted Sarah and I'm like you need to go meet this woman and talk to her and explain to her what it's like to live in Maine after living in the south and that the city doesn't collect the snow like they collect the leaves yeah. <laughs> it just will go away but I, I like that perspective of new Mainer <laughs> anyway all right so Kelly So it's kind of surreal. I'm sitting with you on this couch because, um, so I've said a couple times on the podcast, but Gretchen knows too, I don't like to read fiction and you don't actually write fiction, but I like to read a lot of books about nutrition and stuff like this. Boring. And the first book that I actually read that was not what Shira calls my self-help book was Dinner with the Smileys. And I was on a plane. So of course I I did not know you. We just met a few months ago. I don't know, six months ago maybe. So I was on a plane. I'm reading. I open up Dinner with the Smileys. I'm in the first chapter. I'm bawling on a plane. <laughs> I text my friend and I said, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing. I am bawling on a plane next to a stranger reading my Kindle. And she said, oh, I was bawling. This is Shira, who is not very emotional. Not a crier. Not a crier at all. She said, oh, I was crying in the lunchroom. <laughs> and then I read um, I got here as soon as I could when I moved back and I was struggling with the move a lot and I thought I wasn't sure if it was the right decision and on and on we go and I was reading your book and I thought wow this is so interesting because I had kind of perceived moving home as a failure and when I read your book you saw all the great things about this community that I would have overlooked just because I grew up here and it's an interesting perspective because we don't know what it's like I don't know I didn't know what it was like to live away before I moved away and for the most part I loved Portland but it's still Maine Mm -hmm. so the reason why we wanted to have you on or I did is because I've been struggled with the podcast a lot because yes she has she has a panic attack every week she'll go (laughs) I just don't know yeah so I think because you write newspaper columns, but I write academic journals and I could take a whole year to write an article and I can edit and it's, you know, we have spell check and grammar check and you can think on it. You can have 20 people read it. But with a podcast, you just, Gretchen asked me a question and I'm right on the fly 
And sometimes I say things I regret. And then that's made me hesitant to even continue on with it because I'm like, I don't know if I want people to know that much about my life. So how have you handled what kind of information you share and how that's received by the community around you where your kids go to school and you interact with these people every day because it's a really small community. I mean, you have a much greater reach than we do. (laughs) Well, my first taste of that was probably um, I began writing when my oldest son, Ford, was a baby. And when he was about four years old, um, my husband's in the military and a new newspaper hired me on and they wanted my headshot to have um, me to wear Dustin's cover, which is the military term for hat. And they wanted to do this kind of like cute World War II reminiscent type picture of like me with my head on my hands and with his hat like kind of crooked on my head. And I thought it was kind of corny. Dustin certainly thought it was corny, (laughs) but I did it because I was so excited to have this new big newspaper. And I had that headshot for a while, and then it turned out somebody in another state who had seen my column wanted to press charges uh, or had contacted like a DA about me impersonating an officer, which is an offense, you know. Um, But lots of military wives put on their husband's hats or even uniforms sometimes and pose for pictures. So it became this huge controversy. I wrote about it saying, you know, just because I write about things that are happening in my life, and I wrote about how isn't this crazy that I'm a military wife, but I could be charged with impersonating an officer when obviously I'm not. How come Tom Cruise gets to put on a uniform and he's not charged with impersonating an officer? He went through this whole That's thing. a really good point. And then, um, you know, kids wear them for Halloween costumes. They wear their dad's flight suits and everything. Well, um, while all this was happening and I lived in another kind of small town, much bigger than Bangor, but it was still a small community, small military community in particular. Um, I would go to the gas station and people would yell out their windows, keep the hat on. And then I would go other places in the grocery store and people would say, no, 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 you need to take off the hat. And it was like the first time I realized this dialogue people were having with me that I, you know, that in public in real time about what I had written. And it was the first time that that really kind of hit me and affected me that how invested people got in that whole situation. Um, in the end, the Department of Defense sent me a very nice note that said that they thought the picture was cute and sweet. Um, and in fact, there's a tradition at the Naval Academy of you put on your boyfriend's hat and give him a kiss at graduation or something like that. Um, they mentioned that. And then they said, however, since I was making money off of my column that they couldn't support me wearing the hat because it it it. Um, led to the idea that they somehow endorsed me so the way that it's different than like Tom Cruise or like Tom Cruise does get when they made Top Gun they got permission from the military to make this film and use uniforms that were replicas and um, when a wife just a regular wife takes a picture wearing her husband's hat and and he has it on his desk at work that's not for profit and it's not for public so that was the difference and I did have to take the hat off but that was the first time that I realized how much people got invested in things that I wrote. And it was kind of a weird feeling. Up until then, I felt like I wrote these things and they just went out into the world and never heard from them again. But that was before um, online and email was so big too. Because this was like, that would have been like 2003, four. So we weren't really in the age that we are now. So people weren't emailing me as much. Although I did get letters from prison back then. That was interesting too. And, and did And probably nobody... I know that you've I know that you've um, dealt with comments, internet comments on your columns, and which are horrible sometimes. 
usually. And but nobody with the that was against the hat was yelling at you like a commenter would. So one of there's this great SNL skit called the commenters and I sent it to Sarah a long time ago because I thought of her where they actually the commenters actually have to come out and say what they say online to the person's face and they get all embarrassed and they're all yeah I meant that and you know and obviously you know you're a lot more empowered when it's an anonymous screen name or whatever to yell out so I'm assuming that nobody actually yelled at you Mm -mm, and threatened violence or anything like that. No it was a discussion it was like you know I'm at the grocery store and somebody would say well here's why I think you shouldn't wear the hat or here's why I think you should but you're right now we've kind of devolved in this era into that people don't have those discussions with you they just yell things at you which is one thing one 17 years of writing publicly one thing I've learned what one thing it's made me do is be kinder to waiters and waitresses and people helping me at a store, employees, um, teachers, everything, because I've learned that too often when you're working with the public like that, you only hear the negative and people are very slow to tell you the positive. I may have said this last time, but whenever someone writes to tell me they like my column, it always begins with, I've been meaning to write and tell you. (laughs) And they've been meaning to do that for like five years and they've just finally gotten around, which is wonderful and great. But if somebody hates you and hates what you write, they put down their paper or their phone and they immediately email you and tell you what an idiot you are. So we're very quick to tell people. And think about it. If you get bad service at a restaurant, you like march right right out of there and you tell the manager, I had a terrible experience. But how many times if you have a wonderful experience, do you stop and tell someone? So it's really my experience over these years has made me much more quick, much quicker to tell people when they I feel like they've done a good job. Yeah, I well, even I see that when you just look at reviews of restaurants, you look at reviews of like I've been vacation planning. So looking at places for vacation, I always click on the one star reviews and say, okay, what didn't they like? And I'll read it and be like, "Mm, you sound like you were kind of a jerk to that person. I'll be like, you know, I asked for something that was not on the menu because and they didn't make it for me. And then they charged me extra when they did make it. And I was like, okay, so you were being like ridiculous you know it's not I I try to put that filter on because I think it is true that more people will complain than will say nice things it's just well every comment we've had on our Facebook page has been mostly directed toward me and has been something that I've said wrong and so it because Gretchen's extremely liberal so whenever we get into a political discussion which makes me uncomfortable because it's not my forte anyway I accidentally say something I either put my foot in my mouth or say something that contradicts myself or or what I think a lot of it is that and I've and I've actually jumped in a couple times because I can hear it come out of her and I say that's not what she meant (laughs) and but I know her well enough to sort of be like I think what you're actually trying to say is (laughs) well my friend said when I started to do this do you really think that's a good idea because I'm definitely just a person that is completely honest I, I really am. So uh, sometimes I think it could get dangerous with the microphone. But in terms of the commenters, have you had a situation living in a town like this where someone has attacked you on Facebook or on any kind of electronic media and then you've had to see them face to face? And have they reacted the same way? Well, so I've had a, co- a handful of columns that I've written in these years that I regret. Um, most of the columns I would stand behind and I still agree with whether I wrote it 15 years ago or I wrote it yesterday. But there are a few columns that I feel like I've grown. My mind has changed. My opinion has changed. And I look back 
at those older columns I wrote and I kind of go, oh, Sarah, you were just so young. You didn't really understand, you know, all the things that were involved and the complexities of this issue. Um, so I've learned to also have a little bit more patience with people, give them the benefit of the doubt, let people have room to change their mind. One column in particular, I wrote right after my Navy friend's husband died. Um, he was killed overseas. And then we had um, Veterans Day. And, you know, Veterans Day is not Memorial Day. You don't honor the people who have died in service. You honor the people who are still serving. And I wrote a column because he had just died. And I was thinking about my friend, how she had never put on a uniform in her life. But here she's dealing in the aftermath of her husband's service. So I wrote this column saying, because every year I write a Veterans Day column, 17 Veterans Day columns. That's what you, you kind of rehash the same thing over and over again. So I took a new take and I said, couldn't we sometimes on Veterans Day too acknowledge the spouses who have allowed these veterans to work and who have sometimes their lives, like my friend, have been drastically altered, like her life is forever changed because her husband served. And on Veterans Day, we don't necessarily recognize her because she's she's not a veteran. Um, but so I was kind of pointing that out that like how they're, you know, there's that quote, she who waits also serves. Well, people just destroyed me over that saying that you should not bring up spouses on Veterans Day. This is Veterans Day. Um, you know, that I was like, um, that I was wrong to write what I wrote. And a couple of my friends here actually confronted me about it and said, I think it's wrong, you know, that you wrote that. And looking back, I see that I, like you, I, my heart was in the right place. I've never written anything where my heart was not in the right, right. place. <laughs> and, and that's kind of the, the thing I, when I see somebody that's in a PR disaster, like at a celebrity, uh, actor, writer, whatever, that's in a PR disaster, I always stop and think maybe their heart was in the right place mm -hmm. because that happens so much. You know, like I can tell you, I have never written anything where my heart was not in the right place, mm -hmm. but it has not always been received the same way. And that column was definitely one where what I was thinking and what I expressed became two different things. Mm -hmm. How I never mentioned my friend in the column, for instance. I just mentioned spouses who have lost their... So nobody knew what my emotion was going into it. It, it just, it was poorly delivered. I agree that it was a bad column, but it's one that just keeps resurfacing. I still occasionally, every Veterans Day, somebody will stumble across it and they'll send me a nasty letter saying how horrible of a person I am. And I just, one of my military friends, who's also a writer, we were talking about this the other day, that because um, she has a column like that that keeps appearing and people keep destroying her over. And I said, you know, I wish people would just give people room to take back what they said and say that, you know, that came out the wrong. If you're writing columns every week for 17 years, mm -hmm. you're going to have some that you go, oh, that didn't come out the way I wanted it to, you know, mm -hmm. and so um, that has been hard dealing with those things that that happen when people confront me on them. Um, in a small town like this, it's interesting because when people comment on Facebook, like on the news Facebook thread, I can click on them and see who our mutual friends are. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe my friend is friends with this person that's like so mean to me. Because like, <laughs> I had one person for a long time on Facebook who was constantly just digging into me and saying horrible things like that I was a princess and calling me Bangor royalty and all of these things. You know, it was so stupid. You're not even from Bangor, Sarah. I know. I'm not even, Bang I'm not even from Bangor. Yeah. And, um, and I would click and see our mutual friends and then I would 
message those friends and be like, who is this? And why are you friends with them if they say this, you know? And then you start to wonder, like, does my friend think that? And uh, my first experience living in a small town, writing a column, and I think I did say this last time I was on, was my very first column I wrote in Bangor, Maine, was about my middle son, Owen, and his first day of (laughs) kindergarten. And um, when he came home, I said did you learn any kids names today and he said no and i said not even the naughty kid because you always learn the naughty kid's name because the teacher's constantly saying his name over and over his or her name over and over again um and he said nope there's no naughty kids in the class and i said well where do you sit and he said i get a different seat every time we leave the room when we come back (laughs) and i didn't think anything of that either and then um and then the next day i was dropping him off for the next day of school and a mom pulled me aside and she said you must be Owen's mom. We heard so much about him last night. <laughs> and um, so I said, I wrote this column saying, here's how you know that your kid is the naughty kid. Owen has always had a problem with talking. Um, and Not at home, but at school, he talks a lot. And um, as soon as that column was published, I started getting calls from the school. And they knew who the teacher was, you know, and they wanted to know, was I happy with everything? Was Owen happy? Um, and it w- I was like, how did how did you even know what class he was in what how did no I have no problem with the teacher we loved that teacher um but I could have written a column like that in other places we lived and nobody would have ever paid any attention to it you know and certainly wouldn't have known what school he went to and so that was my first realizing that in a small town like this you publish something and everybody can connect the dots that's how you figured out that you lived down the street from me damn straight yes (laughs) well it was interesting because there were uh and I forget exactly how I figured it out but I have always loved looking at, I mean, since I, before I bought this house 14 years ago, I still look at the listings. I still get a mail to me every day. And there were two capes that were across the street. And my friend Jamie, who was on the podcast about wills and stuff, was looking for a house at the time. And there was one that was on one side of the street that was beautiful and perfect and completely renovated cape. And across the street was another cape that was totally dated. And there was like a, like a, considerable price difference between the two so I was saying you should buy this cheaper one and fix it up because look what it could be because look across the street it could be that and actually I remember um, that house was for sale for a long time and yeah and it had a sign on the front that said it it was I forget the statement but it was like a it, it was a anti-war slogan because we were kind of like that was like still in the Iraq war and stuff like that and I remember thinking you know should you be that political when you're trying to sell a house like maybe you should like I I agreed with the sentiment but maybe I would just put the sign away and maybe you know maybe someone else and so when I actually finally connected the dots like maybe a year later when I was putting together in the column what was going on I was like oh my god that that war sign house was so anti-war house sign was sold to a military military. family. (laughs) So I was like, well, maybe it would have. And and the other thing, too, is that I felt like the price was high. And so I remember thinking the only person who's going to buy that is someone (laughs) who comes from away and doesn't know. And that's kind of what happened. Right. Would you agree, Sarah? Yeah. (laughs) Coming from Florida, we were like, this is cheap. Yeah. Great. (laughs) And it sat for months. It was it was a crazy thing. I mean, and so when we we talk about the um, when we talk about the podcast, so we record about two days before we release. And we have this 24-hour cooling off period. I tell all of our guests that you have 24 hours to change your mind. To If you if you realize you told a story that you want to go home and go, Ugh, can you cut that out? We can cut it out. Dave can cut it out. That's who would do it. And But in now, I think you've started listening to it in that yeah. cool off period so that I you can hear it back. I didn't know I could do that. that would really you, save me a lot of anxiety. Well, because didn't you find that once you heard it, you felt okay about it? But mm-hmm. that time in between recording and releasing was... And it's really interesting because most of the comments 
are about I'm usually paranoid about something that is never an issue it will be something I never thought at all that people take issue with that I've said which is also interesting and my and my my you know one of the reasons why I find value in sharing these stories is because I feel like it if it helps people then I think that that's great and I really feel like I know it has helped people so when we had Jamie on I think between us Kelly I think we've had four or five people who have reached out to us to say specifically I just got life insurance because of that episode Mm -hmm. like I just signed up for it and those are the people that are telling us and so I told Kelly I'm like I'm sure for every person that is close enough to us to tell us there's probably another one who just went and did it but doesn't know us well enough to tell us that so like if those if that's 10 families now that have peace of mind in case the unimaginable happens then that's awesome or the the red file a bunch of people are doing the red file and the other thing with the red file is that a friend of kelly's sent her an email Mm -hmm. and i cannot accept that this would be a coincidence Basically, you don't believe it. Yeah, I can't believe this would be a coincidence. But a major employer in another part of the state pushed out an email that said, "Hey, we're going to have a lunch and learn where you can learn how to create the in case I die folder, where you mm-hmm. can put together, you know, what kind of information should you have? Who should know? How? Like it was the script. If we had scripted our podcast, it was the script from the podcast yeah. that some HR department at a big organization." pushed out to their employees and I was like I've never seen an HR department put on something like that Kelly had never had seen it so I was like I so I am I am convinced that it was us that somebody <laughs> listened to us and said "Ooh, that's a good idea we should do that at work and so there's a whole big organization that's going to be doing it which I think is great well and I think for you Sarah you're writing you're very honest and particularly around parenting and you're some of the stories about the boys are so funny and people will attack you for it like I remember the waffles there was either a waffle story or maybe it was lucky charms and people well and then they criticize you for what you feed your kids Mm -hmm. and all these criticisms you got but you're so honest that I had a complete 180 or 360 I guess I don't know no 360 means you end up where you started oh okay I definitely had a 180 (laughs) when I met you because I think in a lot of ways we're a lot alike and so I'm really honest, too. So sometimes, yes. right, I'll tell people, oh, I ate so bad. And they'll really think, like, it was horrible. And to me, it maybe probably was horrible. But then I'll tell them, and they're like, that really wasn't that bad. But for you, you tell these stories about your kids. So I was kind of expecting the kids to be a little wild when I first met them. <laughs> and the other thing is that I remember you talking about getting a cleaner mm-hmm. and how it was so amazing and all this. So when we went to your house the first time, I was expecting, like, a little bit of disorganization and boys who are a little more wild. But what I walked into was a immaculate house. <laughs> well, that is that's something we walked out of after our kids had a turn. No, it. that's right. That is looks like it could be straight out of Pottery Barn with these three children who are young adults. I mean, they're adolescents, I guess, but they were so well behaved. They call me Mrs. and they were never on a cell phone device. They played with my kids. I mean, I don't know if I'd ever seen better adjusted, happy, confident males, high schoolers ever in my life. And I thought to myself later, I was like, you know what? It's because so many people 
not you. You're honest. You're like, hey, this is life. This is parenting. Kids mess up and I let them mess up and I'm going to tell you about it. But other people, they just want to tell it like it's so perfect and their kids are so perfect and great and that's all you ever hear. So then you just assume that they are. Whereas for you, you're more honest. It's like, actually, your kids are better off for it, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) well i I do think especially with dinner with the smileys um that was disastrous in the beginning i mean there's you know if anybody who's read it knows that lindell mooned somebody at one of the dinners (laughs) was it an elected official yeah (laughs) and um ford would you know argue with some of our guests Uh, somebody ended up in timeout all of the dinners a minister came to dinner and put the two oldest boys in their rooms for me because they behaved so badly. Um, but what I always said, and I almost gave up because I thought this is ridiculous. People are making fun of us. And then I realized, you know, just what you're saying, that so much parents, moms today feel like I can't invite somebody over and see my kids because they misbehave. And I would rather just tell Facebook how perfect they are and Instagram than really let them see what's going on. But week by week, I exposed my children to these situations and I exposed the people coming into our house to my children who weren't very well behaved. And one of the greatest things that happened during that year, I mean, so many wonderful things happened. But the greatest to me was that I saw my boys change from the year, especially Ford, the oldest, that he went from being so angry and so impolite and no manners with our guest to at the end shaking hands with people who came in making conversation and I realized it's because he had had that exposure every week for a year that he learned I mean you can't learn how to behave in front of adults and how to behave in front of people you don't know unless you've gotten practice Mm -hmm. and I think that we hide our kids away in order to maintain that idea of perfection Mm -hmm. and then what happens is that our kids have never had the chance to mess up and learn Mm -hmm. and um and I say in the book that Ford actually there's one dinner where he really messes up and he gets put in his room and um and he's been rude to our guest and then the next day he kind of the next dinner he kind of does the same thing and i go into his room and i tell him remember how bad you felt last time afterwards well stop yourself now so you don't have to feel bad about that after this dinner um so it was like a steep learning curve for them but i feel like and thank you for the compliment i think that they're well behaved and well adjusted too although they've taken away a lot of my writing material as they've gotten older because they just don't do the things like they used to um but i think a lot of that is because i have not been afraid to put them in situations that didn't always go well but they learned from it um how how old were they when you wrote that book how old was that were they through that year you're gonna be so sad they were uh, 11 uh nine and four Okay, so it's okay that uh, my alleged 11-year-old might still be a jerk sometimes. Oh, yeah. There's time. Okay, good. I mean, Lindell Lindell is that age now, and and we're going through some of this with him now, you know, so there's time. Oh, my God. I can't even believe that. It's crazy. (laughs) But the funny thing with the boys now, too, now that they're out in the world, uh, it used to be when we go to the grocery store and they were really little, when we used to live in Florida and then here, too, since Ford has a very unusual name, if I was yelling at him in the grocery store, Ford, get back here, you know, when he was a toddler, then people would go, oh, are you Sarah Smiley? Like, because they you know, they would know because they heard his name and then they had read my column. Um, so I got to where I would like not, I would like snap at him and stuff, you know, so that people wouldn't hear his name. Um, but now that they're older and they're out doing things on their own, one of my sons was on a date on Valentine's Day and he said that he heard a table next to him saying, I think that's her son and it's probably the middle one. And... Uh, <laughs> And um, 
and he said I that he figured that it was somebody that had read the column and and that knew. So now they're experiencing that when they go out. That's that's interesting. I mean, one of the things about Bangor is that even without a column, yeah, they would experience people know. I know, like everybody knows who you are when you go. One thing that has worried me, kind of like what I've heard you talk about before, is that because I have put my opinions and I've been honest about some things, I've kind of like delved into politics sometimes and um that I sometimes worry that as my kids go out and do their things go to work go to school are people going to hold their feelings about me against my kids mm-hmm. and um sometimes like if if one of the boys says that like a substitute was kind of mean to them or something I wonder does she not like me you know and that's probably not the case but I always have that in the back of my head like have I set up difficult situations for them like where people assume that they believe what I believe or think like I think. And as they've gotten older, they don't necessarily. I think, and and I think that's especially in a small town like this, even without a column, if you're somebody who's involved in the community, they know, then they, they draw those connections. So, I mean, I go, I go to, uh, Herman Mountain take the kids skiing and I actually just messaged them. Like, I see your kids here all the time, but I never see you. And, but I was thinking, you know, but I also see your kids. And if I saw your kid, like, I don't know, smoking a cigarette I'd probably text him and be like hey did you know he smokes and he <laughs> yeah. wouldn't like this you know as far as I know but there's always these eyes I remember when I was when I was a kid growing up my parents always knew what was uh, like I couldn't understand how they knew what I was doing at all mm-hmm. times and then I now I'm older and I realize because everyone knew who we were so when I send my kids up skiing when in, like Ingrid started doing when she was probably like eight or nine I let her go on her own over there because it's really small she's like everyone says hi to me how do people know me I'm like because it's you because you know you're connected to me or because of whatever they just it's a small town they know who you are but on the other hand they also know who you we talked about this with the free range thing because they know who you are you're kind of you have all these eyes on you that will report back to me if you do something that I need to know about but you also have all these eyes that are watching out for you too Mm -hmm. so if that same kid if I saw if I saw my friend's kid get into an accident or something you know I would feel extra compelled to help because it's someone I no sort yeah, of yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. um so so i think even with a column or without a column but then you but when you know not wearing your i guess probably city counselors or somebody like that they wear their politics pretty publicly so that would be mm-hmm. a different challenge but mm-hmm. it's interesting that he heard and noticed did he <laughs> bite into his frozen waffle and look him right in the eye and say yes <laughs> Yeah, so he's the one that had the waffle incident and in second grade came home and said, never write about me again. And I said, okay, I won't. And for a long time, I wanted to write. There's, I I have a handful of stories that I cannot wait until I am given the green light to write about from each of the kids. Like, there's a couple from Lindell that I'll say, I don't have an idea for a column this week. Can I write about this one? No, no, not yet, Mom, not yet. <laughs> and so when I write those, I'll have to say, you know, a little disclaimer. This happened five years ago, but I've just now been allowed to write about it. Um, but I kept asking Owen during that time, can I write Can I write about you this week? And he'd say, nope, nope, don't write about me. Until he got to be a teen, and then he was like, how can you never write about me anymore, Mom? <laughs> um, but during that time, commenters would say, and this just shows you how ridiculous the online comment thing is. There was like this whole thread about how you realize she has three kids, not just two, but she never writes about one of them. And I feel bad for the one she doesn't love, <laughs> meaning Owen, the one who didn't want to be written about. And it's in, and I realize I put my life out there. I put my marriage, my parenting, everything out there. So I have given people permission sort of to 
critique it and criticize. I get that. Like, you can't put yourself out there and then say, don't have an opinion about the things I do. But it's interesting to me that people think they know everything, Mm -hmm. you know, that that they make opinions, they make assumptions based on things, never stopping for a minute and saying, maybe I don't really know why she doesn't write about this Sutton, you know. Um, And so I wish people did that more, like gave gave people the benefit of the doubt and said, maybe she's not a horrible, evil person. Maybe there is a reason that none of us know of why she doesn't write about this child. Well, I read a thing about actually podcasting and saying how um, podcast listeners with a really good podcast, they feel like they are in a friendship with the people talking to them because they feel like they're having this, they're part of this conversation. And, and we've had our people say that we feel like, oh, it's, I listen to and I do dishes. It's like I'm in this cool political com- you know, conversation with friends or whatever. But it's, but then you don't realize that they're not in that conversation. So if they, if they come up to you and say something, you're like, oh, okay. You know, yeah. I mean, we've had, we've had people be like, oh, I listen. And they'll be like, oh, you do. And then it's almost like when somebody friends you on Facebook and you immediately go back and look at like everything you've posted in the last week, like, oh God, did I do something that would piss this person off? Or like, let me just go back and look at my digital footprint for a minute. But I mean, that's sort of an interesting thing. And and we're not like a huge podcast or anything, but it's, (laughs) but I, I think that there is value in sharing those experiences to try to make, my goal is to try to make, help people with, you know, things like Jamie or her story or to make people feel less alone like are there other people that are you know something to walk around look and be like okay is everybody not seeing this is everybody seeing this is everybody feeling is like stressed out about this thing or is it just me and I like trying to make people feel like it's not just them Mm -hmm. if I can and to and to model the two different sort of political Mm -hmm. you can be friends with somebody who doesn't share every single one of your political values Mm -hmm. which I think is important too you don't need to mow them down no because it's that's the um, that's what I'm really tired of. Mm-hmm. Have you had any experiences where, like, like where we had the thing um, where people said, oh, I now I have life insurance. Have you had any experiences like that that have made you feel really good about putting yourself out there? Mm-hmm. And, like, obviously you should feel good about putting yourself out there anyway, mm-hmm. but... Yeah. yeah. I think <coughs> making people feel less alone about some parenting things, you know, just that it's not perfect. Um, and I've never tried to show perfect. Um, and... But the, the biggest reactions I've had to that is when I've written about postpartum depression and depression in general. Um, that was uh, when I suffered a really bad experience with depression. I think it's been four years ago now or five years ago now. And I wrote about it. And it was kind of one of those things where I wrote about it, sent it off, didn't really think about it. And then when people started writing me, I was like, did I really share that? Like, you know, like I just you kind of like you're in your room writing and you just don't think about the voice that you're sending out there. Um, but the reactions I got to that, I felt really good about that people, you know, felt like that it was a positive thing for someone to say that they had been through that, too. How do you how do you come up with you write weekly? So how do you manage yeah. to come up with topics every week? Well, I've always got those handful of columns that I'm waiting to use. <laughs> and that that makes me feel a little bit better. It's kind of like when you're running low on gas, but, you know, you've got like a half a tank <laughs> and you feel like, OK, I, I'm all right. I'm going to be OK. So. I almost don't want to use those columns because it's like a safety net. Like I know right. they're there if I need them. Um, but it is hard and it's getting harder as the boys get older because they're not doing the crazy antics like they used to and everything. So that's why sometimes I've branched out and talked about other things and um, kind of changed my writing a little bit. But it it seems like something always comes. Knock on wood. <laughs> There's always an adventure in the in the smiley house for content, right? Yeah. Something <laughs> happens, yeah. Do 
Do you or do you consider yourself a humor writer? I don't know. I don't think so. Like people used to portray me as that when I first started and maybe I was more that way when I was younger, but I feel like I my writing has become more serious as I've gotten older. And I used to feel like a lot when I was younger and I was writing a lot of the tongue in cheek stuff about military life. I think I've written in a more humorous way about the military than I have anything else. Um, I used to find that then when people would run into me in the grocery store, they were really disappointed that I wasn't funny in real life. <laughs> um, but I, I found that with um, Conan O'Brien, um, you know, the mm-hmm. TV, the talk show host. One time somebody had read my book that lived in New York and I was coming up to New York for a book signing and they wrote me and this was like somebody that wrote for the New York Times and they said, um, we would love to give you and Dustin tickets to a show. Anyone you want to go to, just let us know. I, I heard show and I thought like late show with David Letterman and Conan <laughs> O'Brien. They meant Broadway. Um, but I wrote back and I said, I would love to go see Conan O'Brien. And they were like, oh, well, we meant Broadway, but we could do that. And so they got us tickets to Conan O'Brien and got us to go backstage afterwards. And I was so disappointed with how not funny Conan O'Brien was. Like he was just, I mean, he was hilarious on stage and he was so talented at what he was doing. But then when we went backstage and met him, he just looked drained, you know? And and he, he just said hello to us and chit-chatted for a little bit and that was it. And um, and you realize that there's these expectations of people that you, like entertainers that you've come to know. Um, but I feel it with teaching, Gretchen. Like, I feel like, I am on. I have to turn on for teaching. And oh, that's right. And you, you teaching too. I'm thinking of you because we always like see right, each other see at Husson and, <laughs> and talk about it. Um, but I feel it with teaching that I have to be on. I have to turn on my teaching self. And then if students come up to me after class and want to talk about something, I feel like I'm like kind of like, yeah, like I'm, I'm completely drained. There's nothing left. It, like takes it all out of me. Teaching is it's even especially, you know, K-12 teaching you're on for six hours. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that um, students will say when they get into the student teaching phase, they can't believe how tired they are because they're like, oh, this is great. Six hours, nothing. I normally work eight hours at Mm -hmm. the gap or whatever. Well, we don't have a gap anymore, but the, um, they are always amazed at how tired they are. And we try to warn them, you are going to be exhausted because you are up, you're on your feet, you're constantly talking. There's no you know, you have a co-teacher in student teaching, but other than that, there's no other adult that you're talking to. You have a 20 minute lunch, which works out to like 10 minutes by the time you get your kids to the lunchroom and way before you need to pick them up. You can't go to the bathroom because you have to make sure someone's in charge of the class. It's so different from any kind of job. And it's such a, it's, I really feel like teaching almost involves the theater oh, yeah. work. Absolutely. You know, like just being able to engage and capture attention, read the audience, all of those things. There's a lot of theater principles that go along with teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the I teach a lot of cl- courses online, and but I have the live course I teach used to follow a really intense course. So they are in school for six hours, three hours in the morning with an hour break, and then my class was in the afternoon. And every week I felt like... I was I had to put on a production just to keep them engaged because I mean we know the brain cannot focus for six straight hours on intense material that students have never learned before and we teach our classes the same exact class every semester and it's only this is the first semester that I haven't felt like after I teach my class I need to go lay down and I have I'm a high energy kind of person but it absolutely drains you and it's so true they'll come up to you after you're like "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm what (laughs) could you 
and I do this all the time, which put is it in an email? yes. <laughs> Can you put that in an email, please? Yeah, because I'm like I'm gonna hungry. I'm gonna Same. forget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Needed in an email. Yeah. It's so it's terrible, but I just I would I would forget. Mm-hmm. I, I completely understand that feeling. Mm. So was uh, was Stephen Colbert funny when you met him? He was, yes. So I met him at the White House yes. when we went to dinner there. And he was very she much... Just casually, I met him at the White House when I was there for dinner. <laughs> Which president did you meet? Obama. 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 She went to a state dinner. That is so cool. <laughs> and uh, I, I spotted Colbert. We were in line. So it's funny because when you go, even if you've been invited and you have to give them your social security number, you know, like when you accept the invitation, you have to get, because they do the background check on you and everything. Um, but even after going through all that, being vetted and uh, you've been invited to come to this dinner, you still have to wait in like an hour long line to go through security. And they have the bomb sniffing dog sniff you in your black tie attire. And they have all gowns. Yeah, everything. They, they did have the dogs. It was funny because they had the dogs behind like a plywood. Um, and it was, probably wasn't plywood, but there was some kind of wood there. <laughs> and they had like holes for their noses. And I think that was so that they wouldn't like bother our dresses i don't know Won't slobber on you or something yeah yeah. or maybe that's how they always do it so that they're not distracted but anyway so i was going through the bomb sniffing station and i looked down at the end of the line because you have to like turn around and there's stephen colbert and i started waving like a crazy (laughs) lunatic oh my god it's you it's you (laughs) and he pointed back to me and he said it's you He had no clue who I was. Um, that was like the opposite of being recognized in the grocery store, right? Yeah, like you get to be the fan. Yeah, I know. And, um, but then so we met up later in the night and he was just as you think he would be from the TV. He was so nice and, and funny and witty and he was, which now I feel like I've kind of bashed on Conan a little bit. But <laughs> but we but we did. But to, to be fair, Stephen Colbert was not performing that right. night. Right. He was just a guest like me. So he had his energy up. We kind of like bombarded Conan right as he had gotten off stage. So, which is a little bit like, yeah, which is a little bit like approaching a teacher right after a class. So, yeah. So what about, what about Obama? What was he like? Um, Well, I didn't get to spend much time with Obama. I've spent a lot more time with Michelle Obama, actually, because I interviewed her one-on-one when they were first running in 2008. Um, And she remembered me from the the dining uh, for the um, state dinner. I don't know if they prep them ahead of time and tell them who some of the guests are going to be. Um, but she remembered me from that. Um, and she's very warm and lovely. And I just I, I haven't always agreed with all of her political points, but I I really loved being around Michelle Obama. Um, President Obama was a little bit more um, it when we met him it was very formal it was like in the receiving line you know and there were people waiting and and everything but and what about the today show what tell me about what it's like to be on the today show i love the today show (laughs) so they came here and filmed us we didn't go yeah the one that we did uh on on set was katie couric and then the today show came here and filmed us um yeah that I've done that a couple of times where people have come and filmed us at the house and it's it's a lot more uh well and Dave probably knows from being in marketing and PR it's a lot more managed than you think you know like there's a lot of like okay they they're going to interview you and then there's going to be like an hour of them repositioning cameras and then there's going to be that's why when I watch the bachelor and stuff I'm thinking about all those things like <laughs> how like how much time do they send, spend just like twiddling their thumbs sitting on a stool next to each other waiting for them to like reposition everything you know well, they're not twiddling their thumbs on the bachelor though yeah, right they're true. probably just making out the whole time 
that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's when we went to Australia with Oprah. Yes. That's everything was produced mm -hmm. and it made it changed the way I watch television. Then I stopped trusting anything I saw because every possible thing was produced. And of course, they constantly we were on the like um, our group was the five couples who had never had a honeymoon. So they constantly wanted us to be romantic. And James <laughs> and I just are not. So they try to walk you into these conversations and awkward <laughs> moments and <laughs> we'd always be like yeah we're, he's cool we like uh, we like each other <laughs> so anyway I, I know exactly what you mean by that <laughs> <laughs> I've never been on Oprah or Katie Quirk or the Today Show so I don't I have no Yes. I'm on balancing chaos yes and that's enough for me <laughs> and I've got the headphones and today. I get like official emails from you from Hassan yes you do yeah <laughs> every time I see it I'm like I know her <laughs> actually I had one person my here's my being recognized in public there was one time when I was working a, a graduation event with my family businesses years ago at um, the university and the head security guard the head of the university police was just talking to us like okay like you know just making small talk before the hooding started it was a graduate ceremony and start talking he's like how do i know you and i was like uh i don't know and i'm there working with my parents and i'm like 35 36 years old and he's like i'm like well what he's like well i'm head of university police i'm like i've never done anything bad like i don't know why you would know me I, and so after we went back and forth we finally realized he adjuncts and calls me all the time so he oh. recognized my voice and I actually recognized an adjunct on a house hunter show because I was watching this house hunter show and I was like that woman seems really familiar her voice seems really familiar and I was like no this is stupid it's somebody out in Utah like why would I why would this seem familiar and it, the way I figured it out was a classic old Facebook stock when <laughs> she replied to one of my friends had a new baby applied to the picture oh, my baby's so cute, you'll have to come see us in Utah. So I'm like, you know, and I was like, wait a minute. Utah. Do, do, do. And I hovered and I clicked and was like, our episode's going to be on. I was like, oh my God. So when she contacted me this year, I was like, I have to tell you, I recognized the voice and then thought I was going crazy. Like, why would this one episode of House Hunters, which you've probably seen a thousand, why, <laughs> but I said there was obviously something that triggered my lizard brain to be like, I know that voice. I know this is someone I know. And it was. So that was pretty cool. Um uh, oh, and the other one is that we have somebody who's looking that ties us all together, who's looking to move up here um, after listening to our podcast and hearing us rave about Bangor. I thought that was pretty cool. And I thought that was a very neat little. Do you want to? Yeah, a woman emailed me. She's interested in moving up here. And someone said, oh, you should listen to this podcast because it's basically just a um <laughs> advertisement for Bangor, Maine. <laughs> and then I referred her to um, Sarah's husband, who's a real estate agent who'll be perfect because... Now, Dustin's not from here. Uh, but he's from Maine. Well, no, sort of. <laughs> du my husband is not from here, but his father and grandfather yeah. are from here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I knew there was some kind of connection. I just mm. couldn't remember what. So interesting how it all comes back. Mm -hmm. Can never leave. Mm -mm. I know. Well, and the other funny thing is that Sarah's babysitters mm -hmm. one of Sarah's babysitters for when her kids are small is now dating my brother so all the worlds collide you can't get away from anything in this and small town. her babysitters were in the school that I taught at when I oh that's right and yeah. you know the babysitters from when they were little kids mm -hmm. <laughs> yep now do you ever 
are you do you ever regret your career choice or regret having to share so much of your personal life with people around you Hmm. or do you feel fully fulfilled (laughs) um gosh that's hard I don't know I don't know that there's anything else I would do like that I've always been a storyteller like when I was little I always loved like telling coming home and making a big production out of telling people things that happened so that's kind of like always been my thing um I love the things that I've done and the things I've been able to impact or people that I've impacted um I I regret some of the columns I've written (laughs) um uh, just a few of them and and now it's horrible with online stuff you know they just they don't go away um and people keep replying like putting comments on it and I'm like oh my gosh you guys look at the date on that I'm older than that now um but I did just recently stop running my column the very first newspaper that ever published me I quit running my column in there because it is a purely military town and I felt like I just didn't have anything I wanted to start writing more about Maine and the Northeast and I just didn't feel like I had anything relevant for them anymore um so after however you know more than a decade more than 15 years I wrote them and told them and I regret the way I told them because it was very business-like of me and their response back was so emotional that they were just like destroyed you know that they were like people have watched your kids grow up and 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 then I wrote back and I was like oh my gosh I'm so sorry like I never even realized how because I don't live in that town you know and um and to see that impact of how sad they were and then when they announced it and readers started writing me and saying that they were going to miss it and everything I was like wow like I like people have kind of like moved through my parenthood with me um and did you write a a final one just for them I did yeah yeah so ready for some favorite things sure you got a favorite thing yeah my new favorite thing well i will have to say that we got the butterball what's that thing called the butter keeper butter bell it is do you have one what is this it's i'll show you the video because (laughs) i created a video for james because he just made it work so perfectly so you shove your butter in this it's true. You, just, you don't have to be a butter shover. Well, you, you just placed. push it in, you place it, and then it sits in water. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know when you're trying to butter your toast and it the butter's is, hard, yeah. and it's always perfectly spreadable butter. It's almost like creates it like a margarine texture. Yeah, but it's butter. Mm. Yeah, and they're cute too. So yes. we bought one, and I love it. Yeah, is it working out for James? He loves. Is he it. enjoying it. He said he's not confident he's always going to keep it filled, but he enjoys it thoroughly. We keep ours filled pretty much all the time. Usually there's like a there's a waiting period, though, when you bring out a fresh stick of butter that sits on the counter for a little while to get it soft enough to put it into the butter keeper. But we keep it filled all the time because we love it. So mine is going to be. Um, that wasn't my favorite thing. Oh, was it? Oh, I thought it was. Go. Oh, well, I guess it could be. No, go ahead. I was just saying I bought one of your favorite things. Oh, go. So give me yours. I'm going to say my favorite thing is sparkling water this week. I'm addicted to it and I'm obsessed with it. Do you have a, like a soda stream or are you just buying I do, it the but bottle? I haven't filled it. I, there's something about the soda stream. It doesn't taste the same as it does in the can. Mm-hmm. The cans. Was it yours, um, sparkling water one week? I did polar, sel- polar seltzer, very specific Sel- yeah. seltzer. I like, I like the polar seltzer too. But is this just plain sparkling water that you're doing or is it flavored? I like it. I like lime mm-hmm. or um, orange in the can, preferably. The I can. have a soda stream, but it doesn't taste the same. Do you have a soda stream? Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. I like so I like drinks out of a can too. It, what is it? Is it the metal or? I don't know. 
But you put Coke in a glass, and I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. Uh, that's how I am about the sparkling water. I don't want it in a glass. I like it right out of the can. And James bought me this soda stream too. And they're not ex- they're they're expensive. So I feel kind of guilty. I I will take it out of the soda stream, but I prefer it in the can. There you go. How about oh. you? Hmm. Well, um I have to say and it was inspired by you. <laughs> you posted a picture of your daughter one day skiing at Herman. Yeah. And you said and I asked you, was that taken on the new iPhone 8? Oh yeah. And you told me yes, iPhone 8 plus. And it was such a beautiful picture. Yeah. That you could never do with an iPhone that is below yeah. an 8. Right, right. <laughs> and I had an upgrade, so I went out that week and I bought myself the 8 Plus. And um, I'd had my other phone for a long time. And I am in love with that camera. I Isn't it great? You I can do it with it. so badly. Oh, my gosh. We actually just, we were it. skiing and um, and we were just over skiing at Sugarloaf. And our friend took a picture of her daughter and my daughter at yeah. the mountain and it's beautiful oh, and it yeah. just looks so good and my mom took a picture too and she was like why does hers look so much better and I was like mm, she has a better camera mom so yeah. we're gonna have to upgrade oh, when it's, it's amazing time. it's an amazing camera yeah it's awesome well good so ju- I want one but they're big that's the other thing I, 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 I one of my pop sockets broke while I was there so I need another pop socket because I use double pops yeah, I, I, I I kept you know you have like the 10 days to return it I kept the bag and everything because I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to get used to the size of this phone. But now I am. Now yeah. I managed. You know, honestly, I ha- we have one that's like a five that one of the girls uses, like an iPod Touch, basically. And I had to do something. I had to enter in the Wi-Fi password when we were over at Sugarloaf, and it felt like I was like it felt like a baby tiny phone. little <laughs> baby phone. I'm like, I can't even get my thumbs on the letters right. So you adjust really quickly. Yeah, you do adjust. So mine is going to be community supported agriculture, and I'm going to mm-hmm. give a shout out to. And you said you'd go in on me with this? Yeah. Yeah. So so this is with um, Fisher Farm, and it's actually one of our listeners' CSAs. So I've done CSAs in the past. I did one several years ago, not Fisher Farm, and I did a half share because we don't, we're not vegetarians, so I just like to get some produce and only get some. So I got a half share from this other company, and I was so disappointed because instead of my friend who had the full share because they're vegetarians, they would get this box and would be like, oh, it's broccoli and tomatoes and garlic and all this and I would get I thought I would get like half broc half of the broccoli half of the tomatoes half of whatever but the way this other company worked was that you got just half of the value we got so much garlic it became a joke that we were in a garlic share because <laughs> every week I would have I ended up with like two gallon sized bags of garlic so you get like a ton of garlic and like a tomato because that was worth half of it and so it was so bummed so I it kind of soured me on CSAs for a while so Fisher Farm is not like that. And here is why I love Fisher Farm CSA. (laughs) So they do a half share, but they do it every other week. And so I did it last year. So you get a full box of vegetables every other week. And that worked out really well for us. So I helped us cover up. um, But you and I are going to talk about sharing one (laughs) like on our own. But it was nice because I I didn't get half the value. I didn't get a bunch of garlic and a rock. Mm -hmm. I got exactly the same box as everybody else, just less of them. And the other thing they do is that they, which I love, which is even like it's the simplest thing, but every box comes with fresh flowers. Oh. So you get a little bouquet of fresh flowers with your CSA. How are we going to share that? Because that's one of the things I'm excited about. We are going to, well, we're going to talk <laughs> about it because like, I don't know if you want to do it like every other week or if you want to split oh, the box half and that's half. That's actually kind of a good idea. So like, okay. because like the weeks that, like the week that I'm in, I'm on vacation yeah. or if we want to balance out our vacation weeks, but we'll talk about it. But I, because I, 
a full share wouldn't be enough, but it would be save us a little money if we went on it together. So, and the other thing they do is that they put in recipes. So, or they'll tell you what the food is because I am not, I'll get something and I have more times put something on Twitter with a picture of something from my CSA and be like, what is this? I don't even know what this is. This, am I supposed to eat this? Did it fall in right. accidentally? <laughs> exactly. How do I cook it? What do you use this for? And they actually include recipes and like a little newsletter with each um, with each box. They'll have a newsletter of like, hey, this is what's happening on the farm. And they will for, so this is really, so CSAs are great in general, but these are the things that I like to look for in a CSA. And if you are local to Bangor, they, you can pick it up at their farm in Winterport, or they have drop-off spots. And one is in our neighborhood at our friend's house. So you just go on that day and you pick up your box and you sign that you picked it up and you grab your, your bouquet of flowers and you go home and you have vegetables for the week or for the two weeks or however you decide to balance it Is it, it on, out. My, on my road now? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool! Yeah. Great. So, so anyway, so it's a so it's a really cool CSA, and you can find them at fisherfarmcsa.com or you can email <laughs> Beth at fisherfarmcsa.com if you want more information. And you can just let her know that we told you if you are joining this because of us, because she would probably appreciate that as a listener and a friend. But that's the CSA that I'm getting ready to sign up for for this year. We've also we've started doing trying to grow our own vegetables, but we're not really good at it. So it's good to have some like backup mm-hmm. CSA as well. So, Sarah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Once again, it's always awesome to see you. And uh, I guess that's it for this episode. Bye. Bye.